you're watching a journey through business and this week it's going to be another book review we're going to do the richest man in babylon we're doing it i'll bring it to you from my attic over here in my house and i thought i'd bring it to you from here because i've just fixed a leak in the roof that was causing a leak to go into my lodger's bedroom so i thought why not i'll do it i'll do this book review in the attic now this book i came across this book i usually start reading a book if i've been rec had it recommended to me by two or more people that I listen to or respect and this one came about from a recommendation from a podca podcast I've been listening to called The Property Hub and one of the guys there said it's just a really good book of how to sort of create wealth and earn wealth and become rich which is right up my street and it's a short book as well it didn't take me long to read you could probably read this book in an afternoon but first published 1926 it's been updated since but it's got that um, some of that really sort of old-fashioned style writing that you'd find in the Bible. Or I, I don't go to church much, but I remember in primary school we got taken to church, and you'd when they'd read from the Bible, they'd have that sort of oldie-worldie sort of style language. The reason that this book was written because was because when archaeologists were digging up artifacts from the site where Babylon was, they came across many of these old clay tablets tablets obviously back in the day they didn't have pen and paper but they had these old clay tablets which they could then carve on and the archaeologists were finding a lot of tablets including the story of a camel trader and this camel trader in these tablets would tell his story of how he became very indebted he had lots of debt and financial difficulty then he became a slave but then he talks in this tablets of how he earned his freedom from slavery and became a very wealthy man. And there's lots of other short stories like that that they got from these clay, that the archaeologists dug out from the, all these clay tablets and they found it fascinating. And some of the archaeologists even applied the principles that were put down in these clay tablets of the old uh, men and women and merchants in Babylon. They applied them to their modern day lives and they found it really successful. So then, that's how this book was made and it's basically saying that it doesn't matter what generation you're in or what what uh, year it is it doesn't matter what time you're living in some of the very basic principles of accumulating wealth applied back then and they, they can still be applicable today modern day society so the very first story of this book and it does keep you interested with all these short stories but it's the story of a man called Arkad I think I've said that right, Arkad, A-R-K-A-D. Anyway, he was the richest man in Babylon for some time. And some of the poor some of the poor men at the time came over to him and they said, look, how did you do it? How did you create your wealth? And he tells his story of how he started off as a, um, he used to actually work by creating these clay tablets for people would commission him to write down whatever passage that they wanted and he'd be there carving them out. And until one day, a really rich bloke came up to him and he said, I want you to carve this tablet for me. I want you to say this, this and this. Go ahead and carve it. I need it done by tomorrow. Anyway, he didn't have it done by tomorrow, but he thought, look, this guy's really wealthy. I'm just going to ask him, what, does it, what do you do, mate, to create so much wealth for yourself? And I think that's the way a lot of rich people get started. You want to be rich one of the first starting points, go and ask someone who already is rich. I was watching an interview on YouTube with the author of Pro Property Magic, which is a book I'm gonna read shortly. 
um, author, a guy called Simon Zucci. He's a big time property investor and he holds loads of seminars across the country. And he said he got into it as he was a student and he had to go to his landlord's house for some reason. reason. And it was a huge mansion. He was obviously really educated, really wealthy guy. And he immediately just said, you know, how did you make all this money? And then he said, you know, well, I'm actually, I'm a landlord and I've got hundreds of properties. And he's like, how did you do that? How did you get into that? So yeah, maybe a starting point. You want to become wealthy, look at someone who you want to emulate and then just say to him, look, mate, how did you do this? What what job are you in? So this guy, Arkid, asked the guy who was commissioning to make the tablet, how did you make your wealth? And he said, listen, kid, I'll s- because you've asked me, and not many people do, or not many people take the time to, do, to, to ask me, I'm going to share with you my secret. I'll read a passage out from the book. He said, Mark, you well my word, but if you do not, you will fail to grasp the truth that I will tell you, and you will think that your night's work has been in vain. Then he looked at him shrewdly from under his saggy brows and said in a low, forceful tone, I found the road to wealth when I decided that part of all I earned was mine to keep, and so will you. <laughs> and basically this chapter goes into saying, it says it again and again in the book, live slightly below your means, so save a tenth of all of your income that you earn from a job, and then put that saved money to work. Don't just leave it saving in a bank or just leave it in your purse back in the day, he'd have a load of coppers in your purse, you've got to save that money live frugally and then you put that money to work so you invest in something that will then start making you more money but then you can keep continuing the process so even when you're making more and more money don't let your expense your life expenses rise at the same rate as your earnings always keep that 10% of whatever you're earning uh, and save it and then put that money to work our kid looks out upon these many people who gathered in front of him asking for his wisdom and he addressed them and he set them a homework task, as I say, of saving one-tenth of all of their income. They came back the next time to see him a couple of months later and he said, how did you get on with your homework? And all of them said exactly the same thing, is that it's impossible to save one-tenth because the living expenses are so much. They said, how can we do it? We can't. We've got to eat. And our kid said that that is a bullshit excuse because, and I'll go into a page of the book, yet thou do not all earn the same. Some earn much more than others. Some have much larger families to support, yet all purses are equally lean. Now I will tell thee an unusual truth about men and sons of men. It is this, that what each of us calls our expenses, necessary expenses, will always grow equal to our income unless we protest to the contrary. Confuse not the necessary expenses with thy desires. Each of you, together with your good families, have more desires than your expenses can gratify. Therefore are thy earnings spent to gratify these desires insofar as they will go. Still thou remainest many ungratified desires. So I think what I can take from it is you're never going to... As soon as your income goes up, if you're constantly just making your expenses exactly the same and buying all these luxury... Um, goods that you think that you want and need you're always going to be wanting more and he says that it's it's contrary how does he he says it protest to the contrary so where society says as soon as you're on a decent salary you should get a decent car you should have uh, really nice holidays and all the rest of it and you should live in a bigger house and just keep getting bigger 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 you should protest to the contrary and uh, yes allow your income to rise 
but keep your expenses just below it. And you see that, I think you do see that in modern life because the sort of attitude of modern society, I think, is as soon as someone gets a promotion at work, they are thinking, right, now what can I buy with that? Or as soon as, you know, I know from the staff at the restaurant where I work now, as soon as their pay comes in, a lot of them will think I've got a month to spend all of this and then before you know it they're asking for an advance in their pay the next month the next month and people just assume that the key is to just make their income as large as they can possibly make it because then they can spend all of that income immediately and um, basically our kid is got our cad here is saying you're never going to have all of what you want so just accept that live slightly below your means and then just let allow your income to rise and keep saving live frugally in chapter two it's called Seven Cures for a Lean Purse. That is the first cure, start thy purse to fattening, so just work your tits off basically. Second cure, control thy expenditures so that you're always saving money. Third cure, make thy gold multiply. So this is where you have to invest that gold in something good and just not leave it just in your pocket or in a bank account. You've got to look at how you can make that gold mighty work. So what are you gonna invest in? to start increasing that, that pot of gold that you have. And he uses a really good example in the book, I won't go into it. Fourth cure, guard thy treasures, treasures from loss. So that's only investing in projects that you've got experience in, or in, th in, in worlds that you understand and that you know, not investing in something that's just a gamble, gambling with your money, or investing in something that just sounds too good to be true. Fifth cure, Make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. The Babylonians were the first sort of people who would start acting like landlords. That even slaves could act as, sl uh, as landlords and employ their own slaves, create a building, employ their own slaves to do their slave work. And so they're very enterprising in that way. And so this fifth cure, make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. He's talking about becoming a la landlord and putting your spare rooms to good use. The sixth cure, ensure a future income. Too many people think, oh, things are good now, I don't need to worry about what I'm like when I'm older. And so he talks in here about old men wishing they'd have put some money away or had some source of passive income for when they get too old to earn. The seventh cure is increase thy ability to earn. They were big on education, the Babylonians, and so what he's saying here is you've got to be open to learn, you've got a very open-minded spirit and you've got to learn and better yourself and learn new ways of how to increase your wealth wealth and read books and all that sort of good stuff thus the seventh and last remedy for a lean purse is to cultivate thy own powers to study and become wiser to become more skillful to so act as to respect thyself and i think he's saying there is he's, you can either go continue going down the same path and just working for a wage and just spending all of that every month or this is a similar quote to how Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad, as he puts it, you need to harness the power of your own mind in order to make money. Great chapter here called Meeting the Goddess of Luck. And basically that's where this richest man in Babylon, again, he's addressing crowds and he's talking to them and they're all saying to him, you look like anything you touch turns to gold. You're so lucky. And he, then he says, right, what is that? Let's work out how you can become lucky. Why am I lucky? Have any of you got examples of where you've been lucky? And they're all moaning and groaning, saying, we're never lucky. And so he switches the question and said, okay, if you're never lucky, when have you ever had the opportunity to be lucky? And you've seen 
times where you could have been lucky but you haven't and then they've got many many examples and the crowds come up with increased low increasing amounts of examples of when they've had the opportunity but they haven't capitalized on it haven't done enough about it and so they're what they've worked out from that and what I said to them from that is you know if you procrastinate too much and you don't take action you're never going to be lucky you're never going to put yourself in a position to be lucky as he puts it here to attract good luck to oneself it is necessary to take advantage of opportunities action will lead thee forward to the success thou desires men of action are favored by the goddess of luck and there's loads of examples in here nothing happens without taking action and men of action are more successful than men of procrastination and brains and it's a great chapter in here of when a really rich man in babylon he's gonna his son's gonna inherit his estate but he says to his son you know how you are now if i give you all of that money and all of that wealth you'll just blow it so i'm going to send you out into the wilderness you're going to have two things you're going to have a bag of gold and then you're going to have this tablet that i give you which sets out the rules of how i've accumulated my wealth so you're going to have gold or wisdom here's your stuff son head out there and make it happen so then the son goes out and lo and behold he blows all the gold he invests in some dodgy investments where the people who he was investing in weren't experts he didn't know them you know charlatans he gets ripped off and he loses all of his gold very quickly and that's similar to I suppose a lottery winner if you give someone an idiot wins the lottery and wins a million pounds it's not unlikely that they'll probably blow that very quickly and then they'll be back to the whatever job they were doing before they'd won the lottery. But anyway, this guy goes out into Babylon and he's he's on his own. Or well, does he go out to Syria? Well, anyway, he gets sent out, he loses all his gold, and then he thinks, right, what's my father written, written in this tablet? And he starts learning the laws that his very wealthy father has always lived by. And then, as you can imagine, you know, eight years later, he returns back to the family house, he tells his father the story, this is how I lost all the gold, and then this is how I applied um, each, and he gives examples of how he's applied each of his father's laws of how to accumulate wealth. And it's really interesting reading it, like because it's in that story format, I found the book very easy to read, page-turning um, book, and he's just trying to put over the point that if you're given the option of either having free money or wisdom, go for the wisdom and go for the learning because you've got that to keep then and that can then just continually increase your wealth. One of my favourite stories in the book is towards the end of the book, it's the story of Sharu Nada and basically this guy's really, he's telling the story of how he made it to his godson and basically he had an alcohol problem, he was in loads of debt and then he said he became a slave. There's a massive slave trade in, in Babylon at the time, if you gather that by reading this book. Anyway, he was a slave and when they were all getting taken to market to be sold as slaves, one of his mates next to him said, look, put yourself forward here, sell yourself to uh, these rich blokes who are going to buy us. Say you're hard working, say you love work, you're enthusiastic, because otherwise you're just going to st get stuck on some shit job building the walls of Babylon or something like that, which is hard graft and it's going to kill you. So then, lo and behold, most of the slaves get, get sold to the king and the king orders them to b build these walls around Babylon, which most of them die doing that. But Sharunada, when one of the merchants comes up and he says, I'm a baker, I need to buy one of you slaves who knows how to bake. He puts himself forward and says, you know, I don't know how to bake, but I, I love work. I love work. I work harder than any other slave here. I'm enthusiastic to learn how to bake, all of that sort of stuff. And so he buys him. Before long, he's an expert baker. And then after that, he says to his owner, why don't I sell honey 
these buns, honey flavoured buns, um, after I've finished my work for you, I'll bake another couple of buns and I'll go and sell them on the streets of Babylon and we'll split the profits 50-50. So he goes out and does this and he's earning loads of extra money doing this and while he's doing this in and around the bazaars of Babylon he meets some other, this other guy who's a trader in rugs and he's always really wealthy, he's always buying these buns off him and he's got his own slaves and he's got this massive rug selling operation going and they get talking and he, he says to Shorinada, look I can tell that you're very enterprising and you work hard by selling these buns and I respect that and that's going to do well for you in the future. I'm actually a slave myself and although I got all of this going I, I'm still under my master's um, control but I'm earning lots of money now. Anyway, Sharonada, the shit hits the fan and his owner he has to sell him as a slave again, but this rug merchant buys Sharunada and he says, look, I know what you're about, let's go into business together, we'll build our empire and then they go from there. And they, This chapter's more about, it goes back to, if you work really hard, all of that work that you put in, it won't go to waste and it will bring you riches and it will do well for you, but you've got to have the mindset of loving work you've got to feel that you love work you want to work hard and then that that'll work hard for you so yeah the richest man in babylon good book really easy to read and yeah just really easy to read really it's because it's in story format it's lots of short stories it just keeps you hooked and it's just a real page turner it's so short i'll probably read this a couple more times and it just feels you makes you feel quite inspired by it all um, like you want to get up there and apply some of the principles yourself.